Carla had some kind of fit on the way home. And by fit, I mean she was doing her hot damnedest to squelch whatever impulse needed squelching so that we made it back to the bar without her sharing information with the ladies in the back seat which apparently even she understood was not something that should be in the public domain. When we arrived, she dragged me up to the bar, ordered, yes, ordered Lola to get us two shots of whiskey, one of which she downed with the speed and precision I'd not yet witnessed in her drinking repertoire, blurry vision or otherwise. I slugged mine down and motioned for another as I downed the second. She tugged my sleeve. Ladies, apparently Carla is in need of my manly attentions, so I will fuckstick my way behind her already retreating presence and once upstairs, proceed to do my due diligence. Uh Uh-huh. Lola was irritated. Well, I expect an update at some point. You got it. Now give me another bottle and add it to our tab. Remind Carla the next time you see her about that tab. She'll take care of it. Must be nearing national debt levels by now. Don't worry about it, I know where to find you. The Dex Morneau Series by Jenny Decker. Narrated by Greg Kreitz and Jenny Decker. Music by Blue Dot Sessions. Carla was still vibrating when I got into the room. I told you, I was right, oh no. Huh? Hang on a second. I fell back onto the bed and watched Carla's hazy presence rifle around for her laptop and came back to drop back into the bed beside me. She paged through a folder. As I leaned closer, I recognized the crime scene photos. Blurry, because detail still eluded me. I screwed the cap off the bottle and took a long swallow. I knew Carla had it, whatever it was, because the colors were bursting off her like 4th of July fireworks. She couldn't contain it. She had it and knew she had it because she could feel it. And now she had to convince me. I saw her staring at one of the pictures she'd taken from the file. Then the clicking commenced. I took another swallow. It went down just as nice as the last. They took pictures of the store, a bunch of them. At the top of that back set of cement stairs in the basement storage room, there's a round display rack of raincoats. Different kinds, all bright colors and designs, including a couple white ones with big purple and yellow flowers. Well now, that's an interesting development. What the hell's a hardware store doing selling raincoats? Damn it. The next swallow burned going down and burned even more settling in. It was more of a home store than a hardware store. They had sleds and kids bikes, hunting stuff, yard stuff. There's a shelf with sweatshirts in one picture. Wonder what he did with that raincoat. By he, I assume. You mean the cop that you now assume killed Jill Reynolds and then for some unknown reason, either related or unrelated, tried to kill you twice. Maybe he hid it somewhere at the hotel and never retrieved it. 
and that's why he was trying to kill me because I was going to renovate and might have found it. The plant was going to demolish the building. No one would be the wiser. That wouldn't make him very bright, would it? I screwed the cat back on and set the bottle on the floor next to my feet. Then, fell back onto the bed. I grabbed a pillow and shoved it under my neck where the ache was currently the worst. Settle down there, Gabby Gumshoe. Let's chat this out, shall we? Let's say the cop is our guy. He goes in there that day for whatever reason. Something sets him off and he kills her. We won't even bother discussing motive right now because we have none. Nothing linking the two. Let's stick with logistics. This crime wasn't premeditated. This was spontaneous. Nobody plans a murder in the middle of the day in a place of business where they have no control of who walks in at any given time unless they're mentally deficient. I think we can assume, whatever the impetus was, the violent reaction was impulsive. Now, let's say it's not someone who worked there and couldn't leave because they'd have to figure out how to clean up enough to pass muster with their fellow employees, then distance themselves physically from the basement until someone else found the body. If it was an employee, and there were only a couple, I'd be looking at the manager or owner. The rest were women. I don't see a woman doing this. Following our other possible theory, the guy, let's say our cop, came into the store and killed her, and then would have to get away probably with a fair amount of blood on him. I have seen situations where there was a bloody scene and the perp didn't have much blood on them, if any. So we must entertain that possibility. But let's say he did get a noticeable amount of blood on him. In the case of an employee, they'd need to make a costume change at some point, but they couldn't leave without looking suspicious. So they had extra clothing laying around, or somehow snuck out, cleaned up, and then came back. It seems like a lot to do and not get caught. Not impossible, though. This is a very small town, and all our persons of interest lived within a few blocks at the time. But someone who came in off the street and had to make a getaway after killing her would have a different set of problems than an employee. They'd have to cover their clothing with something to at least get to their car. The old lady said the strange raincoat-wearing dude walked out from behind the buildings across the street to the other side. You think the cop walked to the store the day he killed her? I suppose he could have. It's close enough. Maybe it was his habit to walk around town. Hell, we don't even know if he had a car. I sat up and grabbed the bottle, giving Carla some time to peck out her theory. I knew she had one because she sat in that car the whole way with her brain tick-tack towing through the facts we knew, and she wanted to make them fit. I admit it would be nice and tidy if both bombs and the unsolved homicide were related, but life is rarely that convenient. If the cop did it and then put on that raincoat, he'd be stupid to walk to his car in the parking lot even if he had driven, right? Someone could see him and later ID him by his car. Maybe the plan was to put it on over the bloody clothes, walk home, change, and then walk back to his car so he could be seen looking like a normal person who hadn't just slaughtered someone. He's a cop, remember? He knows what they'll be looking for. He could have walked up the back stairs, straight back through that side of the store, and out the rear door, 
Then he takes a right and it's a straight shot behind all the buildings to the back of the Osceola. Couple minutes, tops, even if he was a fat duck. Fat ducks walk fast when they just ducking murdered someone. Maybe he didn't bomb the hotel with me in it because he was trying to make sure the bloody clothing or raincoat he hid somewhere in the building didn't get found. I agree he's an idiot if he hasn't retrieved them by now, knowing the place was going to be sold, or anyone could find them. Unless he tried but could never get to them for some reason. But that's a long shot, he probably destroyed the evidence long ago, you're right, maybe he just wanted me dead, and when I came back into town, he figured luring me to the hotel was a ruse he could pull off to stop me asking about the homicide because it was starting to heat up. I was on the news in Detroit about the Lorenzo thing, remember? I did that interview before the bombing. Then there was all that news coverage. He could think I'm much hotter shit than I really am, Detective Lee speaking. I grabbed her laptop, snapped it shut, and slid it to the floor next to the bed. When's your follow-up appointment for that mouth? I nudged her back onto the bed and rolled on top of her. Cougars. Cougars, huh? God, she tasted good for someone whose mouth splattered the world with fucks on a minute-to-minute basis. Fucks and ducks and ducks and fucks. She put her palms on my chest and pushed me away. Mm-mm. I want to go to your show. I on a uck. Push so close, Paris. Did you just employ a Hannibal Lecter reference while my growing is pressed firmly against yours? Indeed, I did. Oh, listen to that. The dudes are pretty recognizable, huh? Fine. We'll go to the Osceola after. But that means no pre-show festivities for you. Twelve minutes later, including the piss break afterward, we were walking out of the bar near about ten at night, which by any sensible measure made what we were doing very unfortunate. Carla hesitated in front of the hardware store. I grabbed the sleeve of her jacket, not stopping my forward motion. Nope. Oh no. Don't norno me, Carla. I know you're attracted to that hardware store like a moth to a flame, but you aren't going to find anything down there to break this case. It's been 30 years. They're closed anyway. I got a key. What? How'd you get a key? Well, Beatrice. Even though I'd been tapping and could see everything now, albeit in hazy outlines, I still almost tripped off the curb into the intersection. I don't even want to know how Lola got that key. Just keep moving. Hang on. Carla waited for the approaching cars to pass, their headlights turning the shadows all around me to a blinding haze. Then it happened. As she started walking again, Carla slid her hand from my elbow into my hand, casually, as if she'd done it many times. Suddenly, and very disconcertingly, we were holding hands while walking. I stopped in my tracks. My feet seemed equally confused by the disturbing development. I hadn't let go of her hand, but I was fully stopped on the other side of the intersection next to the curb, staring down at our clasped hands. What's this? What? Mm-hmm. When she turned to keep walking, I reached out and grabbed her shoulder, sloppily spinning her around to face me. I slid my hands up her neck to cup her face, gently, 
and then smooshed her cheeks together like you do to a kid to get them to shut up. Carla Danning, God help me, you will be my end. I bent down to kiss her puckered lips and it lasted longer than I meant it to. You know what your problem is? You believe you see something buried inside me. Something I know doesn't exist. It's a mirage, Carla. But in so doing, and loudly I might add, as you do almost every goddamn thing, somewhere along the line, I thought I caught a glimpse of the non-existent me too. Take my word, that's not healthy for either of us. I like you, okay? You're a pain in my ass and you've grown on me. But I need you to remember that I'm still the guy who puked all over the bushes in front of KFC while you watched. I'm still the guy you found passed out with Trudy on top of me in the hall. I'm still an alcoholic, and I will never, ever have any desire to put anyone in front of that. You should know that it has nothing to do with anything other than I like drinking more than I like anything else. Or anyone. Yes, Carla, or anyone. Bending to kiss her again, this time on her forehead, kind of had the feeling I should be getting in as many as I could, like one day soon they wouldn't be there for the taking. Something about the forehead thing did not sit well with her. I didn't need to see it, I could feel it. Blistering orange anger behind stubborn green shards that held off the purple rage, like a battalion of conquistadors in pike formation. I could feel the words dying to come out, but she was holding most of them hostage in a white molared vice. You will never get what you want from me, but you're probably getting what you deserve. You like to get up close to things that you already know will hurt, don't you? Pain is what you understand about yourself. It's what feels like home to you, Carla. Pain. Getting up close will always mean you miss the big picture and the warning signs, which you'd ignore anyway. Settle down, Morno. I grabbed your hand, not a full bottle of Johnny Walker Odyssey from your clammy paw. She turned and headed toward the Osceola. Not into helping the blind guy anymore, huh? If there's a hell, that one bought me a ticket to ride, considering I'm much less blind than she's aware of at present. She had no intention of backtracking toward me. She stood and clicked while I made a mental note to check into the Odyssey business. It wasn't a blend I was familiar with, and I prided myself on knowing everything Johnny Walker related. You need me to grab a handful of your sack and squeeze real hard so we can let pain be your guide? These nuts are made for walking. That's just what they do. One of these days, these nuts are gonna walk off. I'm pregnant. What? Ruff pudding. Then why'd you say it? To scare the shit out of you. Oh, that's nice. Very adult. Happy now? I stepped over the crime scene tape. She'd just yanked down from the front door of the building because it's hers anyway, right? I don't know. Did your old man bowels loosen long enough to soil your saggy boxers? Watch your step. I tripped over the threshold. Damn it. Do we even have a flashlight, Miss Marple? Use your phone, old man. I looked down at my phone. 
The square apps were visible, but I only knew the couple I used every day, and the flashlight wasn't one of them. I remember the kid saying he downloaded one and an e-reader, but I'd never used either. Carla grabbed the phone out of my hand. Within a second, there was a shaft of light in front of us. For me, there wasn't any point in trying to see. It was too muddy in the dark. I'll stay here and have my iPhone housefrau read that bomber profile, last scent. You go have fun. Bang on something if you see a killer. Fuck off, Morno. Carla pecked at her phone until her flashlight came on. I leaned up against the door we'd just entered to steady the spin. The sounds of Carla's angry muttering and sputtering moved further away as I pecked at the quadrant of my phone known as my email, which I hadn't bothered to check probably before Lash sent that email, however long ago. At this point, I can't keep track. Play unread emails. Subject, walk in tub, outlet. Delete. Subject, fidelity life, term life. Delete. Subject, Asian lovers meet single Asian women. Save. I said, loud enough for Carla to hear in the event she was loitering in the vicinity. Subject, diabetic test. Delete. Subject, group on. Oh, for God's sake, delete. Subject, bomber profile. Dex, this is what I got from the feds on your bomber. He said they were completely different bombs, but they may have something evidentiary linking them. He wasn't comfortable being any more specific in that regard. Bomb one, bathroom, grenade method tripwire rigged to a pipe with a shotgun cartridge inside. High tension wire attached to grenade pin, set off as the door opened inward. Rubber fitting clamped the grenade to one end of the pipe. The other was screwed into a wooden two by four that was used to prop up the device. Crude in design. Bomb two, Osceola Hotel Building. Flip phone timer attached to pressure cooker type device filled with black gunpowder. Residue found contained potassium nitrate, charcoal, and sulfur. No prints lifted from any of the materials collected. Subject likely wore gloves. Planning and preparation suggests basic understanding of logistics. Profiling possibilities include former active service member or member of law enforcement. Subject is likely male, single or lives with female relative, middle age or older, possible gun enthusiast. Subject may be familiar with or have access to muzzle-loading flintlock pistols and rifles used often in historical reenactment. Subject may have experience hunting with black powder weapons. Subject may be preoccupied with survivalist doomsday scenarios. Authoritative personality, overly sensitive to criticism. The NCABC behavioral analysis team believes those bombs were intended to address a threat perceived by the subject. Subject assembled bombs that were intentionally made in a different manner to make them appear unrelated. Both appear to be directed at a specific single target. Now do you believe me? Heard all that, huh? I 
never got past the other side of the grand staircase. I'm a ducking chicken, okay? Let's come back tomorrow when it's light outside. Fine by me, my sweet ducking chicken. I opened the door and stepped outside onto the sidewalk. The night air froze my nose hairs. Any ETA on when you're gonna change your phone voice to something less abrasive? Carla put her arm through mine instead of grabbing my elbow, so the clicking I was hearing had to be a single finger deal. Any ETA on when you're gonna stop being a crotchety old fuck knuckle who's as self-aware as a urinal cake? I don't see that changing anytime soon, Buttercup. She warned, and I stepped down off the curb, this time with ease. Once we crossed and she could safely single-finger peck what I assumed would be an addendum to her last question, the clicks started again. I will carry on splattering my essence all over you, hoping to one day penetrate your lethargic soul, you sat bag of crusty bones. Quit trying to warn me about something I already ducking know, okay? She nudged me up against the brick of what I now understood to be the hardware store. I know that because the street light on Upton, nearest to the hardware store, makes an almost imperceptible humming sound that's slightly different from the rest. We will duck, fuck, we will fuck and keep fucking while simultaneously irritating and entertaining one another from fuck to fuck, but you will never pop the big Q or introduce me to your folks. I get it, I need you to acknowledge that I've never asked you to. You're right that I look at things too close, but that means I see things pretty ducking clearly. I like you because you distract the chatter in my head, more no. You're a goddamn 50 car pile up and I am rubbernecking around you nice and slow. Once I get my fill, I will speed on by. Don't you worry about me. Got it? You don't seem to be using the cane much. How are your eyes doing? Uh, they're still bad at night, but I can make things out a little better. Like squinting your eyes together, peering through your eyelashes. But you can see? Yep. Is it just me, or does the clicking sound irritated? When were you planning to tell me? I wasn't. Why? Because I'm an assholey urinal cake type person, Carla. Didn't we just go over this? Call from Lash. The lady of the overprocessed bleach job droned from my iPhone. I pulled it out of my jacket pocket as we entered the bar. Tapping the screen as I followed behind Carla. Yeah? Carla and I took our now familiar back booth. Got a call from Murkowski on that auto asphyxiation case. Turns out there was no auto about it. That day anyway. Murkowski said they found a red crayon in the super's office that matched the envelope we got from the trash in your office. They got mugs to keep at. I called and told mugs you two were still alive. Said he hadn't heard from you in a while. Yeah, I should probably give him a call. Anyway, his prints weren't on the envelope, but they did find one on the paperwork inside. Looks like he opened the guy's mail, which he must have been rifling through, and read the summons, put it back in the envelope, sealed it, and sent it back to your office with the 
supposed to find the body, and that somebody was you two. Anyway, get this. The room Carla thought was a janitor's closet. Well, it was, but there's a long, narrow hallway along the back of that area for access to the heating unit and plumbing. He had small holes for peeping Tom purposes drilled through the closet jerk-off's bedroom. The apartment across the hall where a homebound elderly lady lives. They're thinking he saw the guy set up that day, waited for him to get into it, then let himself in with the master key and somehow made it impossible for the guy to pull the ripcord. Lab is working with some experts to figure it out, but they think he may have just surprised the guy, grabbed the knot and the harness somehow. He'd have been close to unconscious at that point and unable to fight back. They're sending the rope in for testing, but the crayon and timeline probably give us what we need. I made sure my replacement at the PD knows the info came from you and Carla. No need for him to get credit where it's not due. I wouldn't expect that part to make it to 5 o'clock news, though. Good to hear, Lash. How's Vegas? Not as bad as I thought. I could get used to this. Went 300 bucks earlier. Carla tapped my hand and started clicking. Hang on, Carla's typing. How's her mouth? Oh, her mouth's where it always is, along with her salty disposition and general state of dramatic zeal. I held my phone out. Carla, put this on speakerphone. I forgot how to do that. Carla tapped my phone, then hers. Did you talk to anyone about Jolene? You said you were going to report it. Told Price the next time we talked after that day at Ionia. No idea how I was going to handle it. Why? Just curious. Thanks, Lash. When do you get your mouth back? I get Ray checked the day after tomorrow. You're on borrowed time, Mordo. God be with you. I'd ask for an off to see Karen Top with the wife. Don't call me unless someone is bleeding from an orifice, or there's a high probability that bleeding is imminent. 